Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests, as always, on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. It's a Friday, and we are feeling it. I am feeling it today. We got huge stories to deal with. We also have Game Three of the World Series tonight with the best pitching matchup that we will get in the Fall Classic. So it's going to be terrific. And of course, I'm particularly excited because the Big Ten is back this weekend. My beloved Northwestern Wildcats taking on Maryland tomorrow night. So I've got a lot to look forward to. But there is one overwhelming story in the world of football today. And my friend Diana Rossini, who will jump in here in an hour, our outstanding reporter, did a terrific job of covering this for you this morning on Get Up. I hope you were able to watch. If not, let me catch you up on where we stand right this minute in Las Vegas. The game between the Buccaneers and the Raiders which was originally scheduled to be the primetime Sunday night game, was moved yesterday, you probably saw that, into the more, uh, the safer window, if you will, into the 4 o'clock Eastern time window, and they flex Seattle, Arizona to the night game there because there exists a real possibility. That's them telling you there exists a real possibility this game is not played Sunday. I've used this phrase many times. Don't pay attention to what people say. Just pay attention to what they do. The league intends to play the game on Sunday. And that's true. I I fully believe that it is their intention that this game be played on Sunday as planned. But it will now not be played as scheduled. And if they didn't think there was at least some chance this game doesn't get played Sunday, then they wouldn't have moved it. Here's the reason that this is a problem. The Raiders have had all five of their starting offensive linemen sent home. It started with Trent Brown. It has now gone to the entire rest of the offensive line. And as things stand, and I'm going to let Diana explain it to you here, as things stand, they won't know till Sunday morning, day of game, whether any of them will be able to play. This presents, I think, to this point, the most interesting conundrum the NFL has faced in this unique pandemic coronavirus season. But first things first, why are they where they are? Here's Diana Rossini with the perfect explanation. The league and the NFLPA reviewed what was going on in Vegas, and they were able to discover that Trent Brown was not wearing his tracing device. That way we can get that information, who he's been around. So that's one problem. The second problem is they did discover on video uh, a couple offensive linemen not wearing their masks during practice. So now they're being very cautious. Basically, anyone who's been around each other and has tested positive for COVID is quarantining. So what does that mean? Well, it looks like on Sunday morning, this team could be without their offensive linemen. What's going to happen is they're going to get tested for COVID-19 on Sunday morning. Based on those results, a decision will be made about the game. There is a committee that has been formed by the NFL. So basically, it's made up of former coaches, some former players, and it's their job to discuss if there's any competitive advantage or disadvantage based on whether or not they'll have those offensive linemen. So let's say one or two guys test positive, they can't play. This group will decide whether or not this game should be played. But I'm told as of right now, the league plans on keeping this game intact. So that was Diana Rossini with me this morning on Get Up with an excellent explanation of why we are where we are. So there are two separate pieces of this that are worthy of discussion. The first of them is the Las Vegas Raiders need to be dealt with. This is not a discussion 
about how seriously we should be taking the coronavirus. I have very strong feelings on that, but that's not what this conversation is about. This conversation is about the coronavirus standing between the National Football League and the completion of its season and the billions of dollars that are on the line therein. That's all we should be talking about on a sports talk show. There's no reason to get into the rest of it. It's either safe enough in the middle of a pandemic to play football or it isn't. That decision has already been made. But one thing that cannot be oversold is how important it is that everyone involved follow the protocols as scripted. And the Raiders aren't doing it. They're just not. John Gruden got fined for not wearing his mask during a game. I don't want to hear that that coaches shouldn't have to be wearing masks. Yes, they should. That's the rule. Follow the rules during the pandemic. You want to get paid? You want the millions and billions of dollars involved? Follow the rules. The Raiders team went to a charity function. And all of them showed up, and we we all saw the video of them being there without masks. So this is a team that has already had problems. Now Trent Brown tests positive, and he wasn't wearing the device that keeps track of who he's been around. They all have these devices, these chips that they wear whenever they're around the facility, or I think they actually use them all the time. I'm not exactly sure of that. But they have them so that the contact tracing becomes immediate and easy. And you can figure out who has to be separated, who has to be quarantined, who can play, who can't. This is stuff that either is going to be taken very seriously by every member of all 32 teams or this season isn't going to happen. It's just that simple. So the second question becomes, if the Raiders have to play this game without their starting offensive line, are you now putting the health and safety of other people at risk? Is it reasonable for Derek Carr and the rest of the Raiders? Because health and safety has to remain the first priority in any circumstance. These are the decisions they're going to have to make. Should you feel good about this if you are members of the Bucks who find out these tests, which we know sometimes are not perfect, no one can expect perfection in this, they're not perfect, they're going to get tested Sunday morning, test negative that test, then okay, we're going to go play the game today. And then the next day, it turns out there are some positives. So does the game have to get moved to Monday or to Tuesday? We've seen it happen before. And the question is, if these things are going to be unavoidable, there are going to be bumps in this coronavirus road. Of that, there is no question. We all go into this open-eyed about that. And I have no issue with it. And I think the league so far is handling it great. And they're doing everything they can to get to the finish line, which remains the only priority. But if there is a team, a player or a team that is not taking this seriously, you are only as strong as the weakest link in your chain. So what should be done about the Raiders if the Raiders aren't taking this seriously? This is now repeated violations. We're not even halfway through the season and there are a continued problem with the Raiders. What should be done? I asked that question to Bart Scott this morning on Get Up. Here's what he thought. But also, I think that you have to really consider what the Raiders are responsible for. If they didn't keep up with protocol, if they weren't, you know, holding their players accountable, at some point we can't put it on the team and the the visiting team and having to reschedule and and redo the whole schedule. At some point, somebody who's going to be reckless is going to lose a win and get a a loss on their record because they're not keeping up with the rules. It's too important for everybody to make sure that you don't have fatigue and make sure that you continue to do what's necessary. That's exactly right. He is talking about forfeit. There's a major problem with the forfeit. 
I think you already know about that, but in the event you don't, let me explain. NFL players get paid by the game. Most athletes are not in this situation. Most athletes get paid the way you and I do at our job. You get your paycheck every week or every other week or the 1st and 15th of the month or however it is. NFL players get a game check. You play a game, you get a check. If a game is forfeited, then not only the Raiders, but the Bucks don't get their check. So the players on the Buccaneers who did nothing wrong, who followed every rule to the letter, to the best of our knowledge, would forfeit their game checks because Trent Brown can't be bothered to wear a, a, a tracking device? Doesn't seem right. So Bart actually and I have talked about the possibility that if these games get forfeited, then maybe the players on the team that has to forfeit would, su- would sacrifice two game checks and you would take that money and give it to the team that wound up losing the other game of their schedule. Now, I don't know that any of this is under consideration, and I don't know that we're anywhere near the Raiders being forced to forfeit a game. Maybe they'll go ahead and play this one on Sunday, and maybe everything will be fine, and then we will have dodged a major coronavirus bullet. But what I'm sitting here telling you today is, if you want to see this NFL season continue, this is not about your personal opinion on the coronavirus. This is about the realities of the rules that have been set up in order for the season to have any chance whatsoever. And it frustrates me to see that there's a team that is repeatedly not taking it seriously enough. So that's where we begin today. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. I will also mention that you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It is official. College football is back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. The weekend kicked off last night with... A mostly terrible game between the Eagles and the Giants that did have some very interesting moments. Let's quickly run through a few of those, and then I'll bring my buddy R.C. into the conversation. And I don't even really want to waste most of my time with Ryan on this game last night because there were more important things to get to. But the memorable moments last night are Daniel Jones falling down untouched um, at the end of what should have been an 88-yard touchdown run and instead turned into an 80-yard run and a highlight he's going to have to live with the rest of his life. I asked Mark Sanchez, who knows a little bit about having legendary bad plays on tape as a quarterback in New York, I asked Sanchez his thoughts on it, and he said he got past the offensive line, so he did better than I did. Good for Mark for having a sense of humor about it. And again, when all was said and done, the Giants wound up scoring a touchdown on the drive. So that isn't what cost them the game. Evan Ingram not catching a pass that was directly in his hands that would have put that game away went a long way towards costing the Giants last night. But then give credit where it's due, and that's to Carson Wentz. In fact, I am going to bring RC in on that because why not? It's more interesting to hear his perspective on what Wentz did last night than it is mine. The great Ryan Clark is with me on ESPN Radio. And RC, let's, before we move on to other things that I really want to get to with you here, just give me your thoughts, if you would, on Carson Wentz, on how he played last night, how he is playing, and what you think he and the Eagles are capable of the rest of this year. You know what? I think Carson Wentz is the, is obviously the the best quarterback left in the NFC East, and I mean he just fights, man, and he plays hard. He does make mistakes, Greeny. Don't get me wrong; he makes mistakes, but he truly reminds me of what Ben Roethlisberger was for us when we were really good. I think it's 
you can't cover up some of the mistakes because we always had a number one defense and we had a great coach and we had all these other great players around then. But when, when players have that type of talent, that first-round talent, when they feel like they can extend plays and make plays, sometimes they make mistakes. And so there would be times when we get straight to the sideline, I think we're going to get some Gatorade and Ben throw an interception. But we also knew if Larry Fitzgerald somehow scored two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, that he could go 90 yards and find Santonio Holmes in the corner of the end zone because he was that type of talent, that type of competitor, and he was that type of good. That's what Carson Wentz is. He's going to drive you crazy sometimes, especially when they don't have the numbers right now, Greeny. But think about the John Hightower throw. Remember, John Hightower is the rookie that dropped third and 22 against the Baltimore Ravens on the third play of the game that would have put them 50 yards down the field in Baltimore Ravens territory and giving them an opportunity to go up. He went back to him last night, made the big play, and then the perfect throw to Boston Scott. And so I have all the issues that everybody has with Carson Wentz, but I'm not through with him. I'm not done with him. You don't throw away a guy that's that talented, that competes and fights that hard, and that wills teams to win that are lacking talent. And he's done that. And I still think that the Philadelphia Eagles will be the team to beat in the NFC East because of him. Me too. Me too. And that throw to Boston Scott on the the play that wins them the game is incredible. All right. Ryan Clark with me here on ESPN Radio. Let's get to what I think is the best game of the weekend. And I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed, first in our pre-show meeting and then on the air, you, the former Steeler, and Bart Scott, the former Raven, talking about this game, talking about the rivalry between two incredibly physical teams. And, and while the Titans obviously don't have that rivalry historically with Pittsburgh, that's what this game feels like. And I, I would love for you to share with this audience your thoughts on how that Steeler defense, the mentality they need to take into a game against Derrick Henry. Yeah, listen, you got to take a mentality that it's him or you. This is, you know, and I hate, you know, you use these analogies and people get upset, but this is back alley type brawl stuff. This is a small space game. This is, okay, me versus you, who's going to blink first? And, like, these were the type of games that I got excited about, Green, when I felt like people weren't going to run for me and I felt like it wasn't going to be trickery and it's not going to be who can finesse who. It's going to be who wants to strap these pads on the most and who is willing to run as fast as they can into the other man while caring the least about themselves. And that's what this is going to be. This is going to be Vince Williams. This is going to be Robert Spillane. This is going to be T.J. Watt. This is going to be Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward. What are you willing to do to stop Derrick Henry? And the two times the Pittsburgh Steelers have been challenged in the run game this year, they've responded tremendously. Think about Saquon Barkley coming into the beginning of the season, the way that they played against him. Now go last week to the Cleveland Browns, how that run game was excelling and the, the type of the type of adversity or the type of competition that that posed for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. There's no, there's no bigger threat in the run game right now than Derrick Henry. There's no one dishing out more physicality as a runner on the second level than Derrick Henry. So now Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Terrell Edmonds, what are you going to do when he gets to you? Are you going to saw a leg off? Are you going to hit him in his mouth? And so, The team that wins the battle of physicality wins this game. And that's what football truly is supposed to be. You know, I love this whole conversation. We may never have seen a running back exactly like 
Derrick Henry before, but who was the closest to it? When you were playing, who was the closest guy to Derrick Henry that you had to go up against? Um, this guy wasn't as good, and I don't think he was probably seen. You know, like a Derrick Henry, he never led the league at rushing, but Brandon Jacobs was probably the closest thing we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for the New York Giants. Sure. Uh, you know, you're a New York guy, so I'm sure you remember him. Of course. And it's funny, Brandon Jacobs is from Louisiana. And so I used to remember he's been that tall his whole life, and he's been a very big kid. I remember watching him in high school on, like, Friday night football when I get home, and I was like, who is this grown adult man playing with, <laughs> with children? And so uh, the year we played him, Greeny, and we played against them, we were number one defense this year. We won the Super Bowl the year after they won. And I remember he, he comes to town, and I had kept telling everybody all week, I was like, hey, man, I was like, he's either going to run me over or I'm going to kill him. I said, because the first time I get a chance to tackle him, I'm not going to stop running until I hit him. I was like, I'm not going to break down. I'm not going to let him run me over. I'm not going to care if I miss. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set a tone, though, that he knows that we will be biting all day. So it, it's a cover two. Uh, he breaks it outside a little bit. Ike Taylor's caught up on the block. And so we have about a three-yard space that he can run into, Greedy, and I take off running. And I end up. And I end up running. I dive at him to try to hit him. And he kind of like, I hit him. And he kind of like spins out. You know, another guy tackles him. I missed him. But I remember getting up. And I remember like James Ferrier and all, all the linebackers and the D linemen running to me. And it was like, we got you. This is all day. This is all day. Because sometimes somebody has to set a tone. And I tweeted this one time about Derrick Henry. And Brandon actually tweeted me back, and he's like, you know, that hit didn't stop me from running. But what I can tell you, they, 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 got, they got to the goal line. He had four tries. We stopped him. Open field, James Ferrier, uh, Larry Foote hitting him in the mouth. Because we set a tone that you weren't going to intimidate us. You weren't going to beat us before the play happened. You were going to have to show us every play that you were willing to put yourself through what we were willing to put ourselves through. And I think that's different. And I think that's missing sometime in this game. But this is going to be a week where they bring it back. I love this mentality. And you know what? The biggest difference, I mean, there were so many differences, Ryan, between you and me. But the biggest of them is that you thought to yourself, someone needs to go out there and give themselves up for this cause, so I'm going to do it. And my mindset would have been, someone needs to give themselves up for this cause. Why in the world does it have to be me? Why why can't someone else do it? Let someone else hit that enormous man, and I'll be back here covering someone. I'll I'll just be out here trying to break up a pass if they throw one in my direction. Quickly, because I love this story. Who do you think wins? I, I picked Pittsburgh today. 27-26 based on nothing. Who, who do you think wins that yeah. game? You know what? I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think it is going to be close like that. I do believe they make it extremely difficult to run, and I believe that zone on the back end, especially now that they're using Mika Fitzpatrick more in, you know, more in the mess. He's, he's, he's down in the underneath coverage. He have opportunities to make plays, and I believe offensively the Pittsburgh Steelers have the advantage over the Tennessee Titans more so in the other direction. When you look at, you know, you look at games Jacksonville, the uh, Houston Texans, you know, they've given up points. They've been in these tough battles with teams that I don't believe are as good as the Pittsburgh Steelers are on offense. And I believe that's a topic and a subject that we haven't talked about a lot with this game. And I also believe the Pittsburgh Steelers have something to prove still. I don't. I think they feel like people still aren't believing. This is a game that was supposed to have already taken place. And you got to remember, Ben thinks that this team – took his bye week away. 
then thinks that this team's negligence, which you know has been proven that there wasn't, that this team's negligence, you uh, you know, made them have to get set back a week, made them miss a bye week, makes them play their rival after their rival has a bye week. And so mm-hmm. I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to come out to prove a point. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. I had forgotten that. This is the game that had to be rescheduled. Ryan Clark, have a great weekend, my friend. I will see you Monday. Thank you. My man, have a good one, brother. He's so good. Ryan Clark with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Coming up next, there are a lot of players facing a lot of pressure in the NFL, but in my mind, there is one player who was without question under the most pressure of any in the league this weekend. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. And right now, there are a lot of players in the NFL that are facing a bunch of it. In my opinion, there's no question which one is under the most pressure going into this weekend. In fact, I've identified the top three. Bubba, do the honors. Number three. Number three on my list of players Facing the most pressure this weekend in the NFL is Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke Elliott, the moment Dak Prescott found himself in that position, all athletes dread. All eyes turn to Zeke. Because suddenly this high-powered offense with all those receivers, 1,000 yards for CeeDee Lamb, 1,000 yards for Gallup, 1,000 yards for Amari, no more. Andy Dalton is certainly a more than capable backup but he's not Dak. So this became Zeke's team. It became Ezekiel Elliott, the man who has the words feed me tattooed on his stomach. It became his job to carry this team to wins and a division championship and a bad division. And it couldn't have started worse. Two fumbles that absolutely killed his team Monday night against Arizona in their first game without Dak. They will need him to be great to accomplish anything. And this weekend in particular, they play a divisional game against a bad Washington team that has one primary strength. They've got all these first-round picks on the D-line. They're going to get after the quarterback. If the Cowboys find themselves in a game where they have to fling it around the yard, they're going to be in trouble. They need Zeke Elliott to do what Zeke Elliott gets paid to do. Run the ball, run the clock, control the game. 
There's a lot of pressure, in my opinion, this week on Zeke Elliott to play well. He's number three. Bubba, next. Number two. Number two, I have a tie because they're quarterbacks playing against each other in the same game. Jimmy Garoppolo and Cam Newton as the 49ers come to Foxborough to play the Patriots. Jimmy G against the Patriots was always going to be an interesting matchup. All this belief that Bill really wanted to keep Jimmy G and jettison Tom Brady years before. All of those thoughts, and then Jimmy G taking that team to the Super Bowl, and all the questions about just how good he really is. His return to New England is a fascinating one, and there's a lot of pressure on him to continue proving that he is the guy, and to do it against Belichick would do a lot, I think, for people's confidence in him. But Cam Newton, his counterpart in this game, I think also faces that kind of pressure, and here's why. If the Patriots lose this game with the Dolphins playing better and the Bills looking good, they put themselves in a 2-4 and four hole. That would be a tough spot to dig out from. And the reason there's so much pressure on Cam is because he has to be great. The first couple of weeks of this season, we were all talking about how great Cam Newton was. He looked revitalized. He looked like himself again. He looked like MVP caliber Cam. And there's so much they can do offensively. The creative brilliance of Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, combined with the extraordinary gifts of Cam Newton, make this a dynamite combination. And things started going in the wrong direction. They played a very sloppy, uninspired game against Miami. And then Cam tested positive for the coronavirus. And so he missed a game. And then he didn't get cleared to play the next one until deep into the week. And he looked sluggish and rusty. And the best offensive play they had last week against Denver was a play in which Cam Newton caught a pass. So Cam Newton is going to have to carry this team. If Cam is back this weekend with a full week of practice and hopefully all of his strength back, if he's back to being the Cam we saw the first couple of weeks of the season, then the Patriots are right back in everything in the AFC. If he's not, then I don't think the Patriots win half their games this year and they definitely don't make the playoffs. So he's number two, but he's not at the top of the list. Bubba. Number one. There's no question. The player under the most pressure in the National Football League right now, and this week in particular, is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is very literally playing for his job, for his career, and for tens of millions of dollars. That's what the rest of this season is about. Are they going to pick up his option? Or are they going to use this season to decide that they made a mistake taking him number one overall. It really doesn't matter what he says. He can say, the critics will talk, and that's their job, and I'll play, and that's my job, and that's right. He can say he doesn't care, and that's fine. It really no longer matters what he says. It's all about what he does. And I made this same statement before week two when they played against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. If he loses to in-state rival Cincinnati which is clearly a lesser team, top to bottom. And Burrow outplays him, number one pick versus number one pick. And the Bengals win this game, then I think that you turn over the timer. What is the hourglass? You know, you flip that over and the sand starts running. I think the moment that game ends Sunday, if the Browns are on the wrong side of it, I think we turn over the hourglass because the clock is officially ticking on Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. So in my opinion, he is the player 
under the most pressure of anybody in the NFL this weekend. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They will help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. I'm going to get David Pollack in here shortly, but I did want you to hear one more thing before we move off of the NFL for a little while, and that was Russell Wilson, superstar quarterback, Seattle Seahawks, off to an MVP type of start. He is campaigning both inwardly and outwardly, privately and publicly, for his team to sign Antonio Brown. Here's what Russell Wilson said about it to the media. I think that he's, uh, a, you know, a special player for sure. I think that, um, you know, with our coach, I can speak those on us, you know, and if he does play again, you know, um, you know, I think this is a place that he'll grow a lot as a man too as well. And I think that, you know, we're going to continue to try to help anybody who walks in this locker room, you know. And so I think it's not just about the games. It's not just about winning, you know, and stuff like that. It's, it's also about, you know, developing and talking and growing as men. Boy, did Bart Scott not want to hear any of that today. And I'm sort of inclined to agree. If you bring in Antonio Brown, it is not because you want to see him get help. You can help him get help without putting him on a football team. The kind of help Antonio Brown probably needs, you don't get by playing in the National Football League. Antonio Brown is one of the great receivers of all time, and he would make the Seattle Seahawks offense potentially unstoppable if he had his head on reasonably straight the rest of the way, played great, and did not create any trouble, which I think is a very real possibility. And as I told you yesterday, the right team to sign him is the kind of team that doesn't need him, a team for which he would be a luxury, and that's what the Seahawks are. So whatever the reasons are, I believe if I was Seattle, I would do it. From a football standpoint, I think he would make an enormous difference there. He would take Seattle from good, maybe bordering on great, which they are now, to being the team to beat in the NFC. That's what Antonio Brown would be. ESPN investigates season two, the Running Man podcast. Now available. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, it is without question, the biggest question of the college football season so far, and the best person to answer it will join me next. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. A very quick reminder that this program is a podcast every single day. If you can't spend all two hours with me, I get it. You have a life to lead. I hope you can be here as much and as often as possible, but you can always catch up. The podcast is called Hashtag Greeny. It's available every day, anywhere you find your podcasts. 
And I am extremely excited because the real football begins tomorrow. Yes, you can have all your wide open offense and all your high scoring games and all your all the rest of the things that come with the SEC. But as far as I'm concerned, nothing says football like second and seven. And that's the Big Ten Conference. And here's my buddy, David Pollock, to help us look ahead to the Big Ten. A three-yard run. Everybody gets up slowly, and now we're playing a football game, David. That's the way I like it, those of us who went to school hey, in the Big Ten. Come on now. That's changed, too, though. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more high-flying and exciting, too, in the Big Ten. You've got, you've got a bunch of different styles now that have been fun to watch. So I know. I'm with you. I, but to me, that's what football should always look like. Uh, and I miss it, and I love it, and I'm delighted to see the conference back. But here we go. Here's the real question. I told everyone I would ask you the most important question of the college football season as the Big Ten begins. Is Ohio State as good as Alabama and Clemson, who seem to have separated themselves as the best teams in the country? Yes, it, it, it'll go one, two, three when we start talking about these teams in a couple of weeks and we start talking about selection shows and rankings and all that stuff. It's just from a talent perspective, first of all, I'm a defensive guy. I love defense. I wish I could sit there and tell you defense wins championships. It's a bunch of crap. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. Offense wins championships. You have to have that dude at the trigger spot pulling the trigger, and that is Justin Fields, and he is a run-pass guy that is lethal. I mean, he's, a, he's 225 pounds. He's 6'3". He can spin it all over the yard. He can run run the read option game, the RPO game. There's just nothing he can't do behind a great offensive line, great skill. The offense is going to put up a ton of points. The defense, listen, they're going to be breaking in new guys. But, you know, they recruit at the level of Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and those cats every single year. So when we start talking about the college football playoff, when we go down to the selection Sunday, it's going to be, okay, Clemson's in, uh, Alabama's in, Ohio State's in. Who's our fourth team? They really have separated themselves in that way from the conference and from most of the rest of the country. Someone made that point to me yesterday that Ohio State's rival is really not Michigan anymore. It's Alabama and Clemson. That's the, the sort of the, the, the ball game they're playing these days. Meanwhile, let's do some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I asked you this question on TV this morning. How close is Justin Fields? If he plays as well as, as some hope he may this year, the quarterback at Ohio State. Can he make a run at Trevor Lawrence and be the number one pick in the draft? Uh-uh, he can't. He can, uh, he can be the number two guy. And in a lot of years, Greeny, he could be the number one guy. But this ain't just any year. I mean, you've got a unicorn in, at Clemson. I mean, it's, it's just it's, – I haven't seen anything like it, really. 6'6", 225 pounds, competitive, tough, has an – I mean, the dude can throw it through a car wash and not get it wet. I mean, it's unbelievable <laughs> – how, how, how Trevor Lawrence can throw the football and he's continuing to develop and he's got some swagger and moxie and toughness about him. So we can do the Trey Lance, you know, Justin Fields. Um, we can start putting everybody in that next tier and that next level. But, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is, is on his own pistol up top and he'll be the number one pick and everybody will be fighting for him. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Every evaluator says exactly the same thing you just did, David. Is there anything to... The fact that in the really big games last year, he didn't play particularly well against Ohio State, a game his team could certainly have lost, and he was outplayed by Joe Burrow in the national championship game against LSU. Is, is there any concern stemming from those? Yes. I, I think you could say, you could reasonably say, if you watch, and here's another concern I have. When I watch Trevor Lawrence, Clemson does a great job with their offense. It's a lot of screens. There's a lot of quick passes 
Um, and there's very few throws over the middle of the field. So I would love to see him layer the football more and throw it between, between linebackers and safeties and see how much touch he can offer. Um, but but that, that doesn't, that's not going to take away from the physical skill set. By the way, this year, too, the growth mentally. Like, he's, he's up there at the line of scrimmage, and he's like, okay, I read your mail. <laughs> got it. Like, I've got you covered. Like, four new offensive line, like Clemson, on the uh, Clemson offensive line, four new guys. Zero bust in, in protection. Like, literally, he's like, all right, six is the mic, go to him. All right, that guy's blitzing off the edge, go to him, and knows how to attack. So he definitely um, just upstairs has, has really improved. And, and listen, we'll see him in big games this year. We're going to see him in the college football playoffs. But he's still yet to lose a regular season game. He's lost one game during as a starter. Mm-hmm. One. So – we can point to games and go, yeah, he struggled maybe a little bit more that game than I wanted him to. He's lost one game as a starter, and it was to Joe Burrow, who was the number one overall pick and, and put together the best season we've ever seen. Correct. Yeah. And look, I, I, I'm not trying to make an argument. I'm just trying to make it interesting. David Pollock, we'll be watching tomorrow. Pleasure as always. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, David. All right, my man. Appreciate it, bud. He's awesome. I asked Pollock today, by the way. He is a human being who has the most discipline of any person I've ever met. So David had started coming into our studio to do Get Up, um, you know, somewhat regularly last season, and it was great. And then we all disband, you know, the college football season comes to an end, and those guys take their time off. And then, of course, the pandemic hits. So I haven't seen him in, in, in person. I guess the last time I saw him would have been in New Orleans for the championship game. And I said to him, have you eaten a carb since last I saw you? And he said no. And, and I don't think he was kidding. <laughs> That was January. This is October. He is something else. David Pollack, again, looking forward to the start of the Big Ten season, which actually begins tonight. As we continue, the, um, there is an enormously important story out there. We have an, an update on whether or not with one game this weekend will be played. We'll get to that next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.